0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: Hey there, welcome to Background Briefing. I am Alice Brennan and today I'm sitting somewhere very special with reporter Alison Brownlee. Hi, Alison. Hello, Alice. Where are we? We're sitting beside a lovely wood fire. Ooh, and it is lovely. It's got a couple of logs on it and it's generating some good heat, right? Yeah, it was a little bit more complicated than we thought to build, but we've got it going now. But there's a not
2: so lovely side to these wood fire heaters, right?
1: Yeah, sorry everyone, but unfortunately, they have a very high potential to make a lot of people very sick. Oh no. Tell me tell me more about that. The way we started looking into this was after the 2020 bushfires, we all remember the smoke that blanketed South East Australia for weeks and months. And it got a lot of people asking, well, what are the impacts of that smoke? And every expert I spoke to said, yeah, look, the bushfires were bad but wood heaters are much worse.
3: Wood heaters are worse than bushfires.
1: Well, there's an interesting answer as to why that is. The thing is, with things like smoke, it's about duration of
2: exposure.
1: So a lot of us who have these heaters, we have them in our living rooms day in, day out, year after year, and that's the kicker. There's about 900,000 in households across Australia. That roughly works out to be about 10% of homes, more in some states than others.
4: 900,000?
1: Yes, quite a lot and it's more than I thought and a lot of low-income households really rely on them. It's so weird because you don't actually hear about people getting sick from these lovely things, do you? Not often, but in fact in places like Sydney, wood heaters can account for 40% of the air pollution in winter months, which is really a lot and it's the dominant form of pollution in a lot of major capital cities. In New South Wales, it's estimated that the, the health impacts from the emissions lead to at least 100 deaths every year that are otherwise preventable. I've never heard of this before. Why don't we hear more about this? Well, I think it just comes down to perception and risks. And a lot of the most dangerous things in wood fire smoke, you can't actually see. Wow. So Alison, where did you start your investigation? For the start of this, we went to the lovely meandering Adelaide Hills to a little town called Mount Barker. And there we met a really impressive young man whose life is sometimes pretty limited because of these wood fired heaters.
2: Oh, sorry,
5: five. Ten-year-old
1: Harrison Betts is kicking a soccer ball around with his mates in his school lunch break. He's in the playground, which is ringed by a bit of bush and suburban homes.
5: <laughs>
1: but come winter, this area of his Adelaide Hills school is often out of bounds for Harrison.
5: There's a big row of houses next to it. and and they all have wood fire heaters.
1: Harrison has asthma, and the smoke from those wood-fired heaters could give him an attack at any moment. The Year 5 student usually tries to avoid that area of the school, but being a kid, he sometimes forgets.
5: It's really taken my breath away once.
1: Harrison remembers one time he'd rushed down to the play area, eager to kick the football around after a particularly long lesson.
5: So we were playing around, then just around the houses, and I totally forgot that they would have had them going. And then I took one big breath, and I started to cough quite, quite for a while. I went and had my puffer, so it was quite scary. I have the puffer. I might sit down in the office for maybe fifteen minutes, twenty. And then when it's all done, it might just be walk around and sit for the rest of lunch, not, yeah, not run around.
1: Are you the only asthmatic kid at school?
5: Uh, No, there's a couple others,
1: yeah. And are you the only one that has problems with smoke? Uh, Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Harrison's attacks have been life-threatening. Once he was airlifted to the hospital in Adelaide and his mum Mandy is still haunted by another attack he had when he was just an infant.
2: His... Worst one, I remember very clearly. It was really quite, um, yeah, quite hard. He was little and he just couldn't catch his breath. Like He was coughing and just struggling for breaths and he was tugging under his ribs and yeah, things weren't looking good. And so we took him down to hospital and they, had said, you know, you guys come straight through, come into resus, which is not an area I would recommend anyone (laughs) spend too much time. And all of a sudden, he had stopped breathing, and he was blue, and it was really horrible.
1: Eventually, Harrison started breathing again.
2: He did. Yeah, he did. (laughs) That was the best breath i ever seen him take.
1: Where they live in Mount Barker, the threat
2: from wood heaters follows them wherever they go. The shops, sport, even home. When we go out the back and the children play, as soon as it starts up, we generally come back inside again. Like all mums, Mandy worries. And
1: as the plumes waft across her backyard, she springs into action.
2: We close the house up. There's no fresh air in terms of opening the windows Yeah, I can't let a gust of smoke through the house, Um, otherwise everything will become very, very, um, you know, contaminated. Yeah. When we go out the back um, and the children play, as soon as it starts up, we generally come back inside again. For a 10-year-old to live like this is pretty tricky, but in
1: some ways Harrison's lucky. When the smoke is blowing, his mates are usually happy to defy the territorial demands of your average school playground, and move their game to another space.
5: Well, it's really kind of them to do that because they know I can't play around the smoke. While a kid needing their
1: puffer at school might sound like a fairly common occurrence, experts say each time this happens, it's actually setting up kids like Harrison for bigger lung problems down the track.
0: And then we've got... uh... Lady with a his heart failure who we're just waiting for plans around an echo and getting her off home soon.
1: Respiratory specialist Dr. John Blakey spends his days on the busy wards of Sir Charles Gardner Hospital in Perth. He's been working with people who have asthma for decades and is an advisor to Asthma Australia. He says a typical attack is more than just airways constricting.
0: So, people with asthma um, often have airways that are a little bit narrow to start with. When they get exposed to something like smoke from wood fires, that level of inflammation increases and so the airways become more swollen and then the gap in the middle for the air to go through gets narrower. They'll also produce more mucus which tends to narrow the air tubes even more and also block up some of the small air tubes. And the muscles around the air tubes will get more twitchy and more prone to uh, spasm down and make people very wheezy.
1: Dr Blakey says while a one-off asthma attack might seem minor, over time repeated attacks are a major problem.
0: The lungs never quite go back to normal and some studies would suggest it's about the same as smoking 20 cigarettes a day for a year, having one asthma attack a year.
1: And there's a good proportion of the 2.7 million Australians with asthma who are affected in this way.
0: About a quarter of people would say that they are triggered off by smoke in the environment, whether it's wood fires or from bushfires,
1: Dr Blakey says it's not just people with asthma. People with chronic lung conditions, the elderly and pregnant women can all be affected by wood fire smoke.
0: You're more likely to have angina and heart attacks. People are more likely to have uh, mini strokes and strokes. Uh, And people are more likely to have poorer control over other conditions such as diabetes.
1: You might be thinking, well, I'm healthy, so there's nothing to worry about. But you're wrong. Dr John Blakey says even healthy people with heaters should be concerned.
0: Having a a wood-fired stove in your front room is uh, many times more damaging to your lungs than having a truck in your front room running all the time. For many, if not most people who have the wood burners with a closed door, it still doesn't burn very efficiently, and uh, people are getting a large amount of exposure into their living rooms.
1: And what if you don't even have a wood-fired heater? If one of your neighbours has one, that's potentially worse.
0: The uh, particulates and and other chemicals are still coming out of the chimney, and so the effect on the ground for the next-door neighbour is far uh, worse than living next to a coal-fired power station in terms of the amount of particulates they're breathing in.
1: The risk here isn't just that you might develop a nasty cough. The health effects of these things are serious. Wood smoke has been closely linked to lung cancers, especially in women, and it can be associated with the development of gastric and esophageal cancers. It does depend on the amount of smoke and duration of exposure, but the risk is very real. At its most extreme, wood smoke has been shown to cause asthma in people who didn't even have asthma before.
0: At least 15% of all new cases of asthma are caused by exposure to particulates from, from bushfires or from wood uh, burners. So these are kids that didn't have asthma before, but just through this exposure they're getting asthma.
1: So what is it in the smoke that comes out of fireplaces or wood fight heaters that makes it potentially deadly? To find out, I'm headed to a state renowned for its clean air. I've come to a suburban street of Hobart that backs onto the slopes of Mount Wellington. It was 9 degrees this morning. I'm here to meet with a mother of two, who will call Kate. Yeah, hi, how are you going? It's a pretty morning for it. I was it is. Actually, um, I was expecting it to be a little bit chillier actually. I was kind of, kind of used to Hobart being, um, you know, freezing. <laughs> We're kind of sitting on your front fence in Hobart. Um, Can you describe to people what we're looking at?
6: So I guess there's a lot of 1950s style houses and most of them have um, chimneys. And you can kind of see at the moment there is a bit of smoke um, down there and often you can see it really clearly down in the valley. It even follows the course of the river, the Bridgewater Jerry. And it's not just smoke, but it's just on really smoky days the smoke kind of colours it. So it it sometimes looks amazing. It's like a river of like a cloud. One in four Tasmanian households uses wood heaters to keep
1: warm. That's more than any other state or territory in Australia. And that's bad
6: news for people like Kate. So I've had asthma since I was a small child. It is triggered by smoke, dust and those kind of things. But sometimes just that feeling of having a like having a large boot on your chest with concrete in it. It's really hard to describe. Kate's got a slight frame and she seems vulnerable as she points to her
1: chest to show me how this feels. But as she describes all this to me, there's kind of a determined strength in her eyes too. She's fought years of health battles and
6: won, even though her asthma has landed her in hospital more than once. I have been at home and had to have people carry me to the hospital. Even um, one day here I had my children with me and I couldn't speak and my children just looked so afraid and they started to cry so it was pretty serious. So for Kate even getting to work in the smoky city can be a challenge especially because she doesn't own a car. I kind of moved here, live close to the city because I like to walk everywhere and that's how I like to live to make
1: the decision on whether to walk or take the bus, Kate has to rely on the sniff test.
6: I'll usually smell and sense it and also I react quite immediately so if it's sitting there in the valley or anything, I've got different pathways that I walk to avoid it. But even in the short time she's lived in Hobart, there have already been days where this has let her down and she's been forced to rest on someone's brick fence. There's been a few times when I haven't predicted it well and I've been walking, I mean I'm walking up a hill but I'm pretty fit Um, and I've just had to stop and sit down and you know get out my Ventolin and and take six puffs of it and then people have sometimes stopped you know say you okay because I'm wheezing, my chest is heaving and I I'm starting to feel a bit dizzy, but I I mean, I do recover. But then it's kind of thinking, how am I going to get home from here? Do I have to call a cab to go a couple of blocks? And sometimes the answer is yes. This morning, Kate's decided that she'll probably be okay to walk.
1: So she's got her sneakers on with her office wear. So where are you off to now? You're going to walk to work? I'm going to walk to work, yes. I've got a big day ahead. Kate's committed to her life on foot,
6: She just wishes a few more of her neighbours understood the risks of smoke. I'd like people to know, first of all, that it does have this impact and then make choices and particularly if they're making a decision about whether to get a wood fire heater or not.
1: Hobart is also home to Associate Professor Faye Johnston at the University of Tasmania. She's a medical doctor and one of Australia's leading experts on air quality. When I call her, she's on holidays, but she's so passionate about pollution, she insists we dial her in.
3: Hello? Hi, Faye, how are you going? Oh, I'm good, sorry I'm late. i had another meeting run on. Yeah, Tasmania's really interesting. It's got several reputations. One is for the cleanest air on Earth. But then what I learnt because I moved to Tasmania um, is every winter there's a terrible smoke haze which comes from burning logs in wood heaters to heat homes.
1: To understand why burning wood is a threat to your health, Dr. Johnston says there's some basics to get your head around first. It starts the moment wood catches fire.
3: The first step is breaking down the lignans and all this, you know, the cellulose, the stuff that makes the log. Um, And that gives off a lot of gases, uh, ozone, methane, all sorts of gases.
1: So if you zoom in to the molecular level, you'll see that these gases include the common ingredients in air pollution, nitrogen dioxide, sulphur dioxide and volatile organic compounds, usually referred to by the delightful sounding acronyms NOx, SOx and VOx.
3: There's a lot of other gases. There's ozone, there's aldehydes, there's polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons.
1: That's already sounding pretty bad, and it is. These gases can be very dangerous on their own. But if you zoom out with the microscope just a little, there's more.
3: And as well as those gases, there's lots of tiny particles.
1: Particles attract using a measurement called particulate matter or PM. So there's PM10s, PM2.5s, PM1s. It's once you get down to PM2.5, things get serious.
3: The smaller they are, the further they get into your system. And the further they get into your system, the more opportunities they have for harming your health. They can go into the blood, they set off our body's natural defence systems.
1: In parts of Australia, PM 2.5 levels can exceed maximum standards because of wood-fired heaters.
3: So if you can see it or smell it, it's above background and if it goes on, it will be doing the community harm and there's overwhelming health, you know, evidence of their health effects.
1: And all those dangerous gases we talked about earlier, well, they're caused by a process known as incomplete combustion.
3: The concept of complete and incomplete combustion is really important when you're talking about wood heater smoke or bushfire smoke. If you've got complete combustion, every last bit of carbon in the log of wood will be converted into carbon dioxide. That never happens, of course. And that's what we mean by incomplete combustion. There hasn't been complete conversion and there's a whole suite of co-pollutants and gases.
1: So even though you might think of wood smoke as natural, it's actually really bad for you. In many ways, it's even worse than what comes from cars or industry. They use coal and other fuels, but they're burned at such high temperatures, the transition is near complete. Not so with your average wood fire, which usually burns imperfectly.
3: When you're burning logs or slightly wet wood, you get much more smouldering and incomplete combustion, many more particles, a bigger suite of toxic co-pollutants and more opportunity to cause health harm.
1: While you might not have too much to worry about from copying the occasional faceful of smoke from a campfire, if you're exposing yourself to smoke day in, day out, year after year, that's where your risk really goes up.
3: Duration of exposure is really important. And the longer it goes on for, the more harmful it is. We know there's no safe background level. And this happens because air pollution, it's like a stress. It's like cholesterol, high blood pressure. It's one more risk factor that adds to all your risk factors.
1: So if it's so dangerous, why hasn't anyone noticed? Well, an inviting wood heater seems far less threatening than a raging bushfire. The deaths they cause are only obvious when you do population-level studies, when academics compare those living near smoke to those who aren't. But despite the clear medical evidence of the impact of smoke, there's very little done to enforce even the existing rules that are supposed to help reduce smoke pollution. No-one understands the problems with the current system of regulation better than Kate. She moved to Tasmania after struggling with a neighbour's heater
6: smoke in the ACT. It was puffing out smoke in a way that was just unbearable and completely over our yard. It would get through all our clothes and we did go through the EPA and they did approach them, but it wasn't good. You know, it was just this ongoing tension and I, th- I felt quite vulnerable then. Kate thought moving her family to Tasmania would help, but she was wrong. We moved in and we found that the neighbour over our backyard, um, their wood-fired heater was on all the time. I couldn't actually use the backyard. I was thinking about how to talk to them about it, like, but I thought it's quite difficult to talk to your neighbours about things like this and I thought it's just not worth it. So we decided that we had to move from the house because it was so clear um, that my asthma was deteriorating in response to the smoke in the backyard.
1: Kate didn't want us to use her last name because she wants to avoid conflict
6: with her neighbours. And she says, really, it's not their fault. I think people, if they were more aware would think about it, but could they change? That's why I think the government really needs to support that change. For people
1: like Kate, there's only one place to complain about dodgy heaters in most states. That's their local council. Some councils require you to document 10 minutes of coloured smoke coming out of your neighbour's chimney to register a complaint. And if you think the likelihood of neighbours closely watching each other's flues to check the colour of the smoke is low, you're right. I got in touch with a dozen councils around the country in cool climates. I wanted to know how many complaints they'd received since regulations were updated in 2014. Even in Armidale in New South Wales, which is known for its proactive stance on heaters, there's been 179 complaints. That's about 25 a year. That translated into eight smoke warning notices and zero penalties. Two councils in the Victorian highlands
6: told us complaints were either rare or non-existent. Kate says it's clear enforcement is patchy. I just don't think it works. In Tasmania generally, we've got lots of different local government areas. Some of them have very few resources, so they really can't monitor um, whether things are compliant or not. Even Hobart City Council says it doesn't
1: do any specific crackdowns on wood smoke but responds to complaints. It's had 77 complaints since 2017, that's 15 a year, and some are multiple complaints about the same address. I thought maybe things would be more stringent in the Chile ACT where enforcement is done at a territory level by its Environment Protection Authority. The department has had 395 complaints since 2017, just under 100 a year. It says it sends a warning letter and then if people don't act they get fined. So how many fines have they issued in that time? Zero. The one place where government action has made a big difference is in a place with some really cold weather, in the heart of logging country. Hi, how are you? Good, thank You,
4: you come this way? Yeah, thank you. In the 1990s,
1: Launceston was known for having some of the worst air quality in the country during colder months, which in Tasmania is most of the year. There's historic photos of the city so laden with smoke you can't see down the main street. Dr James Marcos is a local respiratory physician. He noticed early on smoke was choking the area.
4: So when I got here in the winter of 1990, I was amazed as just to how much smoke was here. There was an over-reliance on burning wood to keep warm uh, in the winter. Well, it was a real problem and uh, we were seeing an increase of admissions to hospital in the winter months, like four times the levels of uh, people being admitted for asthma in the winter compared to other times of the year.
1: The city faced a dilemma how to keep people warm but also get rid of their wood heaters. So they came up
4: with a few ideas. A subsidy was offered for people to hand in their wood heaters and it did encourage about 2,000 people to um, hand in their wood heaters over a period of a few years and that made a huge difference.
1: They even got the local power company to offer a discount to those who switched to gas or electric heating. Did you notice a change at a clinical level?
4: Yes, yes. There have been fewer sort of severe flare-ups in the winter here in the, time I've, you know, in the last 10 years. There are, there's a cohort of people with severe asthma who I've been following for that whole time who are still alive.
1: Dr Marcos says many residents hadn't realised just how bad smoke was for their overall health.
4: Smoke is bad news for your lungs. It's a bit like passive smoking and wood smoke in the air does that as well. It's been proven to be a carcinogen to cause lung cancer.
1: Launceston Mayor Albert van says you could see the changes in the air.
7: It definitely was worthwhile for Launceston. It made a significant difference to uh, the number of people that got rid of their wood heater.
1: And when this happened at the time, was there much pushback by people who did own wood heaters?
7: No, because it was pretty voluntary. So there was not saying you had to get rid of your wood heater.
1: The program worked so well that rates of particulate matter in the air, those PM2.5s, fell almost 40% a drop so big it actually saved lives. Academics estimate the city's wintertime deaths from respiratory illness dropped 28% as a result. It's a program now considered the gold standard.
7: It went for 10 years, that buyback program, and it ended up stopping because nobody else in the end wanted to do it, so we really got all those that were interested.
1: So clearly buyback schemes can help to a point. But in Launceston, it did need more than just the local council to be effective.
7: The federal government gave us $2 million to help with it as well. So that was a fantastic initiative.
1: How difficult is it at a council level to, to run schemes like this to have um, responsibility for this particular problem?
7: It is difficult in the sense that we can't determine what happens just over the border and just over the river. you got West Hamer Council, then we've got Northern Northern. Uh, Meanna Valley Council, and they have large areas of people with water heaters too, and we can't control that.
1: So if buyback schemes work, why aren't governments everywhere funding them? Well, some are. The ACT has a buyback program, and Victoria is about to start one for low-income earners. In New South Wales, the state government is currently updating its clean air strategy. But so far it's been pretty quiet on the question of buybacks. I asked them whether they'd consider a buyback scheme. In a statement, Environment Minister Matt Keane's office said they tried it in two regional councils in 2016, but it wasn't very popular. Just 45 were swapped over for cleaner forms of heating in three years, and they say flue cleaning rebates worked much better. But it seems to take a while for these schemes to catch on. In the ACT, their buyback scheme wasn't popular at first either, but now they've bought back more than 1,200 heaters since 2004. It makes sense. A heater is the sort of appliance you only think about replacing once a decade. And with about 40,000 sold each year, it's going to take some time.
8: Without a doubt, it's the most romantic and enjoyable way of heating your home. But
7: what's the real. The
1: Australian Home Heating Association represents the people who make and sell these heaters. And even they support incentives to help people replace them. Um, Does the association support the use of buybacks, particularly for older heaters?
9: We do. Unfortunately, a lot of people that have a wood heater want to continue using a wood heater, and many of the buyback schemes don't include the new wood heaters in that buyback scheme.
1: The chairman of the Home Heating Association is David Wickham. He also works as a senior manager for a major retailer. He says new wood heaters that have been made since the Australian standards took effect in 2019 are 60% more efficient than older ones.
9: We absolutely support improving air quality, which is why industry has spent an enormous amount of money initiating cleaner burning heaters.
1: But Dr Faye Johnston says the improved heater standards don't solve the issue because of the realities of the way people use them, with wet wood and improper techniques that lead to more smoke and particulates.
3: What an expert can do in a testing lab isn't what happens in people's homes. And it just takes, you know, five to 10% of poorly operated heaters and you've got a massive pollution problem.
1: A major New Zealand study proved this was true, finding the heaters typically give off four to five times more fumes than what they're designed to emit. David Wickham believes it comes down to better education on things like how the public should build a fire properly so they don't make too much smoke and where in the house they're best used.
0: There's eight simple steps to be able to do that. So we can start off now if you like.
8: Great,
7: let's do it.
9: I think more can be done. And in fact, as an industry, again, we've spent a lot of money uh, developing videos to show people a what you should take into account when you buy a wood heater. We've spent money on social media this year for the first year. I know that wood smoke isn't good smoke, so I'm reducing the amount of smoke my wood heater makes...
1: Environment protection G- authorities, authorities around Australia also seem pretty focused on education as a way forward. They told Background Briefing they help councils run education programs and councils say when there are complaints, they talk to householders first about how to burn wood cleanly before resorting to warnings and fines. But Dr Johnston isn't convinced by these strategies.
3: I haven't seen any good quality evidence that shows me that education changes pollution in a community.
1: That's why organisations like Asthma Australia say education campaigns aren't enough. In fact, they say buybacks aren't enough either. They've got a more radical proposal. Hi, how are you going? I'm Alison from ABC. I've got an appointment with Michelle today. Michelle Goldman was instrumental in bringing the previously state-based asthma organisations into a unified organisation in 2017. She's now its CEO.
8: Smoke is a very common trigger for asthma. It's a major cause of poor air
1: quality. Councils might not be getting many complaints about wood-fired heaters, but she says Asthma Australia's helpline is inundated with calls each winter. People aren't
8: necessarily sharing their complaints with the council, but it's obviously not high on the radar of councils. And it obviously is a long journey to get to the point where there's an abatement notice and clearly um, fines aren't going to stop anyone from burning any heaters. So we can't leave this up to local councils to enforce. Obviously smoke
1: knows no boundaries. She says large-scale surveys have shown the public support action on wood heaters. That's why this year the organisation is launching a campaign for serious changes. It wants governments around the country to start getting rid of wood heaters altogether.
8: We'd like to see them removed when homes are sold and also when new homes are built, that they are not installed.
1: There will be a lot of people who might push back on that and say it's a very affordable way to heat your home, especially when electricity prices can be particularly high.
8: We can't put the burden on low-income households um, to have to incur higher electricity costs in order to protect our overall community health. So that's where the government does need to step in and provide subsidies and
1: incentives. And what about the people who say it adds to the ambience of a home and the value of the property, all those sorts of things?
8: well, we tend we tend to romanticise about heaters. They're beautiful things and fires, um, but there's a much darker side to them, and the emissions make us sick. A little bit of smoke travels a long way
1: and does a huge amount of harm. The New South Wales government agrees the heaters are
4: harmful. Look, Jim. All we're saying is that you know clean air is really important in New South Wales, and wood fire heaters are a major source of pollution. But before the consultation
1: process for its new strategy had even finished up, Minister Matt Keane had this good-humoured chat with Jim Wilson on Sydney's 2GB.
4: Sipping your hot cocoa in front of the fire this winter.
1: In the interview, he basically shot down any suggestion of a ban or a phase out.
9: Okay, so wood fire heaters they are they are here to stay. Here to stay, Jimmy. Here to stay. Okay, right.
1: <laughs> Mandy Beth says she'd like householders to think about children like Harrison when they're out shopping for a new heater.
2: I feel like everyone has their own right um, to, to live how they choose, um, but at the same time, it it's going to be a lifelong thing that my child with a respiratory condition needs to be able to manage.
1: Harrison just wants to kick the ball around without having to dodge smoke floating across the pitch.
5: Well, I feel quite annoyed because I have to move away from what we're doing.
2: It can get really, really tricky um, for us to be able to live spontaneously and let's say, oh, you know, come on kids, let's go to the playground, or come on kids, let's go and meet, you know, whoever um, for a coffee because just in case something is blowing or, um, you know, the air is potentially um, got the wood heater smoke in it. <laughs> I was it No. I don't know. Someone
5: was. I'll be piggy. I'm piggy. <laughs>
1: Background Briefing sound producers are Lila Shuna and Ingrid Wagner, sound engineering by Isabella Troppiano, fact-checking by Benjamin Sveen and additional reporting by Sophie Scott with special thanks to the specialist reporting team at the ABC. Supervising producer is Tim Roxburgh, our executive producer is Alice Brennan and I'm Alison Branley. You can follow Background Briefing for free wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.
0: You've been listening to an ABC podcast.